BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, I'm just, they're bold oh, guys man, are the I best almost... beards. I'm glad I seen that go live because it, it moves. Like <laughs> you start move, you start losing it up here, and then it goes everywhere else. <laughs> All right, Jake, go ahead. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics Packer Party Friday. We got Simon and Brian with us, Tyler and myself, as always. So I wanted to start the show by asking how your Christmases were. So Simon, I'll start with you, buddy. How was your Christmas? Uh, it was pretty uneventful. I kind of just stayed at home and watched football all day. It's just me, so. Living the dream, man. <laughs> I was going to go to El Paso because that's where my girlfriend's from, but uh, I kind of had to I had to have the work phone this week, so I wasn't able to leave the area, so I just kind of chilled out here. Well, you got to watch football, so I don't feel that bad for uh, you. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, Brian, how was your Christmas, buddy? Oh, man, you rich great, son uh, of a bitch. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, so we open. I we had the kids open up all the presents on Christmas Eve so I could help set them all up because I got my Christmas, you know, Christmas present on Christmas when I watching the Packers win. So that was great. And then uh, just hanging out with the kids, cook food, had good leftovers on Christmas Day. So that's pretty good. It was a great Christmas. How about you? Oh man. Uh, so my girlfriend was supposed to work. But then they told her, like, nah, it's not that busy. You stay home. So I was like, oh, my God. I don't have to watch the baby during the game. This is amazing. I love my daughter. Don't everybody take this wrong way. So I got to watch the whole pack of game uninterrupted. Fantastic game. Fantastic win. We're going to get into it. All the P's and Q's, X's, O's, whatever the hell you want to call them, right? So then they had to go uh, to another Christmas. And I was like, oh, man, I, get a, I got to stay home and watch an entire basketball game with nobody asking me a question. And I know that means nothing to nobody else, but I'm telling you right now, that was the greatest Christmas present I received in a long goddamn time. So it sucks that the Bucks lost, but I got to watch an entire game when nobody asked me questions. Uh, so, Tyler, you can tell me your Christmas uh, when you get up to speed here, but we're going we're gonna to start, start with this real quick. Uh, I'm ready. Jamal wants to get bodied in this question, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, Tyler, so tell me how your Christmas was, then we'll get into the, the question here. It was good. Um, you know, being with family and first at home and then going to visit um, my dad's side of the family and then back at home with both just the wife and myself and the, the girls. So that's usually how we, we keep it. So it's just the, the home family for the afternoon of Christmas. So it was good. Definitely good. Yeah, definitely. Uh... I got this fucking guy, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> good to just chill. Um, 
I just want to know. Okay, Jamal, you have to uh, you have to elaborate on that. Are you so like his? Okay, I'll I'll elaborate because he he made a post and it was like career wise, who's had the better career, Bakhtiari or Trent Williams? So, and my rationale, and I like Trent Williams. He's a really he's We're an elite comparing, player. At his position, you know, yeah, to the best uh, during their time. At Bakhtiari's time. had two first team All Pros and three two uh, second team All Pros. Okay. Trent so Williams has had one apiece. How, in what way, shape, or form is Trent that make Trent Williams better career wise? And you know Trent I mean? Williams has also played three more seasons. And I was trying to look up games missed, and I want to say it's about even because Trent Williams kind of had a lot of he had a, some injury history in Washington mm-hmm. too, and then didn't he like where sit he out missed, like he was kind of in and out. And this is Bakhtiari's really only injury of his career. I got was it. Trent the Williams. year he missed last year plus part of this year, and then the appendectomy, which is kind of a one-off thing. Right. So, I, so I mean, Williams, in 2010, he played 14. 2011, he played 10. Then he had two 16s, a 15, and then a 14, 12, 10, 13, 14, 15, 12. So he hasn't played a full season since 2013. I didn't know Jamal was I mean, a said, San Francisco fan. I was just going to say – Tell us some tackles on your team that are better. It, it was just yeah, yeah it mean, was just an argument we were having, and he deleted the post because he was getting ratioed because he put it up as a poll, and <laughs> it wasn't even close. Honestly, and they're if, both great if, players. I yeah. Mean, it is, it is. Yeah, I love Trent Williams. Yeah. I think he's, he's a man. But, right. And he's probably going to be all pro again this year, but – yeah, career-wise, I have honestly by a little bit. <laughs> what a lame son of a bitch! I was a big fan of the 49ers in January 2016. Because the only thing Bears fans have to root for is the Packers losing. Exactly, man. So the thing with with David Bakhtiari, honestly, I think he would have been a Pro Bowler had he played Week Three through Week 17 healthy. Yeah, I think the, that was one of my bold predictions too. The stats honestly back it up. Like he was yeah. like the only the only tackle with over 200 pass blocking reps that haven't given up a, a quarterback pressure or a hit like um but hey i mean it's it's a interesting question right, to ask as long as you're time. not just like being a troll about it so i mean yeah you know if it's a serious question like definitely willing to to answer it and talk about it so i'm not get, i'm not taking you seriously appreciate I'm not the interaction. For it. no i'm not um, falling for it bro i've seen your post i mean i ain't doing that uh-uh <laughs> <laughs> Doreen, you can watch us and the Bucks at the same time if you want. Put the Bucks on the TV. Put you could put us on YouTube or on Facebook on the phone. You could do it. I believe in you. I believe in you too. So, all right, Jake, we're gonna start um, with this. Bring up a, we're start bring with up this a question. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So, how do you guys feel about kicking the field goal to go up six? You know, with the time remaining and everything, um, with that explosive offense over there, I understand that the defense was playing really good in the second half. But uh, Simon, again, I'll start with you. Uh, that just seems to be how my eyes are working today. So, Simon, I'm going to start with you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I didn't love it at the time. I thought they should have went for it on fourth. Mm-hmm. Or um, I didn't love the A.J. Dillon run either but i get what they were trying to do make them waste the time out um but i would uh, at least love to see them get the first uh to be honest i i kind of wish they went for it it worked out obviously in our favor but 
and that that Miami offense is just so that's so good. Waddle is Waddle's a beast, man. His route running yeah. is super good. He's got great hands. I mm-hmm. I thought they were gonna go down and fucking score on us, to be honest. Oh wow, no confidence at all. All right, Bryant, tell us your thoughts, buddy. Yeah, so I know I kind of obviously during the game we're talking, I kind of showed displeasure for the whole sequence, and I'll go through what my issue was. We had him in a really good spot, right? When it was second and two. And they purposely took that penalty. We let them take it. We cannot let them take it. Even Matt commented, he's like, Yeah, we talked about not accepting it because we're in the advantageous position there, right? Second and two is better for us and worse for them than first and ten is for us because now they got to try. We have two plays to wait, have them waste timeouts um, instead of then. So that could be five plays if we get that first down rather than the three that we allowed them to give to us. So first off, we need to deny that penalty because it was gamesmanship. Smart by Miami, not great by Matt LaFleur to accept it. And Matt LaFleur actually did that same thing a few years ago or tried to. I can't remember if the other team accepted or not. Next, okay. I'm ultimately I'm okay with – I didn't like it. I wanted to go for it. But if you're going to kick the field goal there, I think absolutely you cannot waste that time out there. I think you just push it back five yards. That was still going to be a really short field goal. Let Mason Crosby kick in. I say that because Miami is so explosive that we might need at least that one timeout. So we wasted that timeout. Maybe I get it if they're trying to get them off sides, fine. But just take the five-yard penalty there. Um, the other thing is by kicking the field goal, we put Miami in the position where they have to go for it and they have to score. If they score, we lose. If we if we go for it, we miss it, and we're only up by three. Miami might not be trying to go all the way to the end zone or, you know, once they get into field goal position, they might be a little more conservative. And like Simon said, they're so explosive um, that, you know, they could score at any minute. So I don't know. I, I thought it put us in a tough position. Obviously it turned out well, obviously our, you know, um, defense in the second half, which we'll get to in more was playing outstanding, but I thought it just put us in a weird uh, situation. So I think I would have liked to see it. First of all, I would have liked to see us not take that penalty and made them, have us on second and two, and then may, hopefully you can get lucky and be third and one, right? And even make them waste another timeout. So, but it worked out. I just, I think we should go for it there. So I'll be honest. I have yelled at the TV so many times, take the points that I'm like, I'm okay with it. And, you know, we've been in so many situations this season where the defense has kind of let us down, where the defense is turning into last year's defense in the sense where like they're not great against yardage, but they're they're getting better against points and they're they're causing turnovers, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, they gave up the long touchdown, but the trends over the last couple of weeks, the defense has been very, very stingy, you know, uh, not giving up a ton of points. So I like the idea of trusting the defense, make them drive the whole field. Uh, you put two in a tough position, like, oh, okay, I gotta go down and get six. I can't get a field goal. Like, I gotta go get a touchdown. So I actually liked it. I'm okay with it. Be aggressive. Uh, put the put the ball in the hands of uh, the defense to go win you the game, and they did. And that that's just going to instill confidence in them, which obviously we're going to need going forward, especially this week. We're playing a very, very explosive Minnesota Vikings offense. Yes, we all hate them, but we can still give them credit. They're very explosive. I mean, they're basically explosive because of number 18. Number 33 is still in there a little bit, but number 18 is the explosiveness on that team, right? So, um, yeah, I, I liked it. And I hope the defense still comes out with a chip. I mean, the last couple of weeks, Jair's been talking crazy. I mean, he talked about getting seven interceptions against Baker. And then now he was talking about uh, week one was a fluke. So, I mean, his interview after the game was golden. So, 
whatever, man. The confidence is flowing in Green Bay, so I love it. Uh, Tyler, I don't know how you feel, buddy. So I just kind of want to like build off of what Brian said, where he said, you know, if we kick the field goal and they go and score, we lose. If we go for it on fourth down and don't score, then they go down and score and we still lose. Or they also can kick a field goal and then we go into overtime. So to me, it it decreased the amount of chances that Miami would have to win the game outright or send it to overtime. And it also increased the Packers' odds of winning by forcing them to have to go the entire length of the field in two minutes with no timeouts and touchdown or bust. Whereas if you can get them into a third down, fourth down situation before they even cross the 50, like one incomplete pass and they're done. So, I mean, that's, that's a long way to have to go. And it's not like they're going to pick up, you know, a 45 yard pass without it coming yards after the catch. There's nothing, there's nothing about Tua's arm that scared me that they're going to like, Oh shoot, they're going to throw it downfield and they're going to pick up 45 yards in one play by airing it out. Yeah, I think the yak is the scariest part of that. But like I said, I don't think we should ever have been in that position because I think if we decline that penalty on second and two, there's a real good chance Miami never sees the ball again. Or if they see it, it's maybe like with 10 seconds left. Well, so. all right. So you, you mentioned two potentially being in third and one in an ideal scenario. What happens if they stop the run on us then? Then we're kicking a field goal that's 10 yards farther back. Or you're going for it on fourth and what would probably be a half a yard or so. Yard could be fourth and two, you don't know. I like I our mean, chances of getting two yards running up the middle, not laterally, with AJ, uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. But no, we, I get it. We've seen it yeah. stopped though, like even in this Dude, game, it was literally stopped. It was literally stopped in yeah. the yeah, it was stopped in this <laughs> game. And then Watson no, had you. to make a crazy catch on fourth down because Rodgers was a little late yeah. with the throw, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. there's all this moving factors, there's ifs and buts, whatever we yeah. want, right? So, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, all like I said, I want to play the devil's advocate in every right, scenario right. just because there are multiple ways of looking at this, not right. just that, like, I'm not, and Brian, I'm not saying that your point is wrong or my point is wrong, but if somebody only sees it from one of our points of view and then has like a really strong feeling that Matt LaFleur is stupid and should be fired because he made the decision to kick the field goal or he made the decision to go for it on fourth down, but not realizing that there is you know, context and things behind the scenes and then ripples of each potential decision that can affect the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to give those other perspectives. What are you looking at, Simon? <laughs> I'll, I'll send you in chat. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Stink face. All right. So get right into it. Bryant has our number one star for the game. Yes, and our number one star is actually Mason, Mason Crosby. So um, I know we have all we've all pretty much talked about the fact that it's probably last year for Mason Crosby. You can see it. Um, in his leg, even pregame warm, most of the games we've been to, he hasn't been hitting much from past 50, but within from 15 closer, he's been lights out. Um, the big thing is he broke the record for all time leading, um, our Ironman record, or whatever you want to say for the Packers, past Brett Favre. Another thing, um, yeah, so he obviously broke broke the all, all the record for the most, uh, all time leading scorer, but he's like way, f- I don't think anyone's ever going to break it to be honest. Um, he's 843 points ahead of Longwell. And to put Holy that in perspective, and put, to put that in perspective, Longwell career points was 1,054. So he almost, he's 200 shy of doubling up <laughs> the next person. So, and then on the game, he went four for four 
on field goals with a long of 46. We all seen the 46 yarders squeak in, but hey, all that matters is it went in between the uprights, right? And uh, gave us that was right before half. I think that was the field goal right before half, and that was a big field goal, really, because then you know we get the ball again. It's 2020, and we don't look back from that. So, mm-hmm. so I was looking at something the other day while <clears throat> I was looking at thinking about Crosby it being his last year. He's also 12th in most points all time by any player in the NFL. 12th all time. 12th, and wow. he's he's only. Uh, 16 behind 11 and 53 or sorry 43 behind 10 damn yeah, he could be top 10 that's pretty lit i'm yeah. not gonna lie i would have never thought of Mason crosby because I, I was like i was thinking i was like man he's been playing a long time and he might get yeah. 11 if he, he might, yeah it, it'd be we'd have to make a deep playoff run for him to get top 10 but yeah, I was I, I was like top twelve all time because I was yeah. I was listening to that Rogers thing that he did where he's talking about Mason Crosby and he's like one of the best kickers of all time and I was like oh I wonder where like he rates all time points mm-hmm. top twelve baby and that's oh, in the NFL yeah I'm NFL all time where's he at amongst kickers well kickers are the score. oh yeah that's no, probably, that's probably yeah, that's eleven a of the top eleven yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably top twelve. <laughs> Well, yeah. being the Mason Crosby as well, well kicker, yes, I would say you're right, bud. <laughs> well, George Blanda's in the top ten, and he was kind of he did it all. Let's so there's some other kicker and the quarterback and the yeah. coach and the water yeah, boy and uh, the ground crew. Eighty-eight hot dogs and drink beer at halftime. That's he probably hey, that might on the sneak line. his way into the Packers. You know, I think he'll he's be for sure be in the Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. So. he'll probably end up in the NFL Hall of Fame if he's that high ranked. The kickers never get. They don't put a lot of kickers in, but I'd love to see it. I think there's only one kicker in there, so trash. Yep. All right, number two star. We have Jaron Reed. Obviously, we know he forced the big fumble. That play will be discussed um, when we get there. Um, he had four tackles as well, um, and had a sack in addition to the forced fumble. So Jaron Reed was our number two. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that it was his best game as a Packer, and I don't think you can disagree that it was his best game as a Packer. So, all right. Simon has our number three star. Well, our number three star was, um, <clears throat> sorry, it's um, Alan Lazard. I think he had kind of a quietish game in the receiving yards, nothing super spectacular, but he made a couple of really great plays this game. He had a uh, five for 61. Um, he had a 42-yard bomb. uh Beautiful. I book. believe in the first quarter or second quarter. Second quarter. Second quarter, and he also made some really key blocks. And I'm sure someone else will cover the one we're all thinking about. Yep. Yep. But, yeah. David, we'll get there. It's on my list. <laughs> Should have pulled the video for that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. That way Jake you can bring up the fine. Performer. All right. Well, there was a couple of people to consider, yeah. but. One person stood out, and his name is Marseille Lewis. Two catches, 32 yards, a touchdown. So his two catches, he had a one-yard touchdown on fourth down, by the way. And he had a 31-yard pass that I'm just – I have more. I'm going to cover that play. I have more when I talk about that, but it's like the one thing that really sticks out to me when I think about Mercedes Lewis, Rodgers talks about it on Pat McAfee. Everybody talks about it, right, all the players. His leadership and his blocking ability, 
Uh, they just they're unmeasurable and they're un- irreplaceable. So um, when Rogers talked on McAfee this week, he talked that there's been three players that when they talk, the whole locker room listens. He said Charles Woodson, he said Julius Peppers, and he said Mercedes Lewis. He said over the course of his career, those are the three people that whenever they talk in the locker room, everybody shuts the hell up and they listen. So for that reason alone, for his leadership, he had to be the UP. Plus that that throw, he gave us a vintage Rodgers moment. So, like, I'll love him forever now. So <laughs> Did you Mercedes see – I think it was this week too he went on, like, the Colin Cowherd yeah. show. Or he went on one show and he basically defended Aaron Rodgers too and said that a lot of what you're seeing is just crazy about him or whatever and talked about how he expects greatness because he is great. So – I love Mercedes Lewis. Like I said, even if we don't, and I've said this several times, if he doesn't come back as a player next year, I want him on the staff because yep. he's just such a he's just such a great human and a great teammate and leader. So yeah, and he and he knows the game. Like you talk about guys that know their role, like True. Mercedes Lewis embodies that. I was yeah, I think he... he could start a whole season at like right tackle and not be the thirty second ranked right tackle in the league. I, he would be higher than that. That's how good of a blocker he is. It's insane. I think he did an interview. Uh, I can't remember who it was this this week or last week. I was watching it, and he was talking about how his uh, he kind of had to adjust to being not really that pass catching guy anymore, and that's kind of what helped him be in this game as long as he has. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of found that role and became great at it. So he's been a wonderful addition to this team over the last few years, and it. And, you know, I love that Green Bay really kind of embraces those guys, like know their roles, and it just works out well. So I'm going to use this to transition into it. I'm just going to bring this up as my first play. My dad also brought up – so I'm going to talk first about the Alan Lazard block that sprung Aaron Jones for an 18-yard run on first and 20. So after – this is after a penalty – the ba- the ba- oh, I almost said the Badgers because that's the last football game I talked about. Packers <laughs> get backed up into a first and 20, and they run off tackle with Aaron Jones. Alan Lazard blocks one guy into two other guys, takes out three guys with one block, and he counts them out. He counts them one, two, three, lets them know about it, and then he gets a $10,000 fine today. So it's, it's a really annoying thing that he got that. What bothered me more almost was that somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter that he got almost the same exact fine that Mac Jones got for diving at Eli Apple's knees. Insane. Yeah. That that's honestly what bothered me more about it was that basically by the dollar amount that you find them, you essentially said that those plays had the same infraction. Yeah, they hold the same value. I hear you. I agree. I kind of swore that earlier in the year he had a block or a catch against that many receivers or, or defenders, and he counted it out like that before too, and I wonder if he got fined at that time. No, that was Watson. Christian Watson did it in the Cowboys game when he was counting his touchdowns. Yeah. But, but I swear I've seen a Lazard play too. It was just like a first down or something too, but I'd have to I would have um, to go back and look at it. But either way, that's just <laughs> that's soft as baby shit right there. Finding that's, yeah, that's that's super ridiculous. soft. Yeah, right. I don't understand how he, it's not like a penalty or anything, and they just fine him for it. Like, how do you go back after the fact that it happened and then count it as a fine? I, I just because don't understand. They hurt, the he hurt their feelings, Simon. He hurt their feelings. Yeah. 
So he had to make the Dolphins players' feelings feel better. So okay. that's why he I don't know how you can block three dudes with one block, have it clean, and then like not even like get in their faces about it. And like, yeah, he was like ten yards away. Any yeah. sort of cel- no, no celebration. And then it's like this is why people call it the no fun league. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> insane. So oh, he took out a DB a linebacker. Team, right? And, and a D lineman. He took out every position group that you could take out. <laughs> Alan Lazard is a three-level scorer out here. I think if he turned the other way, then it wouldn't have been a fine. It was just because yeah, he was my facing dad said exactly like, Stupid. Yeah, but then you let players get in each other's face and yell all sorts of words at each other. Mm-hmm. And the refs just be like, oh, chill out, chill out, chill out. We don't hear nothing about that after that, right? Yeah, no yeah. counting, though. Yeah, don't count. <laughs> yeah, Jones didn't get it for his lynch move. That's true. That that, that was directed at the players. Like, the Watson counting for his three touchdowns, like, he's counting that to himself. He's not doing it. You know, he wasn't doing it directed at a DB or anything. But, yeah, the Jones one I could have seen, I guess. That's a good point. Um, The other play that stood out to me on the offense was the Mercedes Lewis touchdown that Jake mentioned. The thing that stood out to me on this play, aside from scoring the touchdown, is – the fact there were four tight ends on the field on this play and A.J. Dillon, that's a lot of beef. You're a yard and a half away from the end zone, and you bring in four tight ends and A.J. (laughs) Dillon. What what is Miami thinking you're going to do? Like, there's no way they're they're passing out of this situation. And if they're passing to Mercedes Lewis? (laughs) They they bring Tyler Davis across the formation from Rodgers' left to right. And then uh, they snap the ball as Davis is going to the right. Then they play action to Dylan on the left. And um, DeGuara is lined up as the fullback. So there's one outside linebacker left on the outside edge. And he sticks with DeGuara. Mercedes Lewis is just wide open all by himself. So, yeah, I still think the four touch or the four tight ends on the field is what stood out to me most from so, that play. Just because we wondered why they were carrying four tight ends in the beginning of the season, we're like, is that really they're going to carry four tight ends? And there you go. There's a package where it worked, a goal line set, and they scored a touchdown off of it. So that kind of answers that. Um, so well, I know Jake, why don't you talk about another sorry. Mercedes Lewis play? Go ahead. Brian, what did you want to say, buddy? Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I know this is backtracking a little bit, but this is where I'd love to see them. You know, they they showed that play, right, Tyler? On that, you know, if we were to go for it on that fourth down or even on the third down before later in the game, show that exact same set and then do a run out of it or something like that if they have a different play call out of it. Because that's where I'd love to see them set that up and use it in the same game. Because they might run it again against, say, the Vikings or someone else and do something different out of it. But if you run it again against Miami, for sure, it's fresh in their mind. Like, okay, we got to watch Mercedes and we got to watch all this. And if you run a different play out of that, that's I want to see them. And they do do that sometimes where they, you know, do the same formation, run a completely different play. I should say they do it a lot, but I would have loved to see that later in the game. And I'm sure there's scenarios, too, where it's, you know, Mercedes Lewis is the first read for Rodgers. And if he's open, like he's the guy you throw it to because he's already in the end zone. Or if yeah. you're running that play on like a short yardage situation, that that guy's already passed the first down. The second read is probably Deguara, who's going to be running like right at the goal line or right at the sticks. And then the third read is probably AJ Dillon, who would be coming out of the backfield after after the play action fake. Yeah. So to your point, yes, there's certainly like more than one way to run that play and still succeed. So 
All right, Jay, go ahead. All right. I'm just going to say real quick, my favorite part about that play is a little bit old school football, man. That's all I'm going to say about that. So moving on. A lot on. of beef. Oh, my God. So much beef. I'm surprised the damn stadium didn't tilt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, this so, play sponsored by Oscar Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> so deep pass to Lewis, man. Holy cow. So I'm going to start by talking about what Rodgers talked about this play on Pat McAfee, right? Because he was asked specifically about this throw. And McAfee goes, what a throw by Rodgers. You know, his energy, he's just infectious <laughs> and he's just going crazy. And Rodgers just chuckles, you know, because, yeah, I've made the throw about a bazillion and a half times in my life, right? So he's talking about the play and they gave Mercedes Lewis, who is talked about as the slowest guy on the team, uh, receiver, all the time. And actually on this play, he hit 17 miles per hour. I saw that on next stats. I was like, there's no way this, this gigantic human was moving 17 miles per hour. Cause that is terrifying. Is he like so, 250 pounds? Dude, he's huge. And he's like, he's huge and he's old. He's not supposed to be doing that. Okay. Oh, he's 275 pounds. <laughs> I told you. That's at least 250. Bro. <laughs> Look at that. So yeah, that's moving at 17 miles per hour. Yikes. So anyways, they give Lewis a wheel out on this play, right? And Roger says, he said, when you come up to the line and you know the play call, you're thinking about Mercedes and you're like, he's an afterthought on this play. Like, he really is just supposed to be taking up space. Like Rogers is not, he's not part of the progression list, Roger said. So I'm like, okay, this just makes it stupid at this point, right? So <laughs> Roger said he goes through it and Dubs is the option. He's got an in-out option, right? So Dubs is supposed to break out on this play, but he breaks in towards the coverage. So then Rogers is like, so I just go into scramble mode, thinking like, what the hell, basically. So he just he says he tries to scramble. He sees Mercedes. He lofts it up there, and Mercedes makes. Honestly, that was a great catch for a big fella too. But the throw, dude, are you kidding me? I just <laughs> holy crap, dude! This guy just never stops amazing me. Falling backwards. Like no balance at all, just all arm and just drops it right in the puck, right here, man. And it's just like, are you shitting me, bro? I there, you can't get enough of Aaron Rodgers, man. That guy is fucking amazing. And please stop bashing him, Packers fans. I'm just sick of it. Okay, but <laughs> the whole point of this play is Mercedes Lewis caught a 31 yard pass <laughs> while being covered. I just want everybody to realize how amazing that is, and I don't want us to ever forget this play. I don't know that I don't know that he's ran down the field 31 yards in a single play in his entire Packers tenure, and he did it on that one. He did, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what a throw! I can't get over that throw. I was I watched it. If you go on the views, right? I don't know the total views, but I'm telling you right now, I watched it at least 100 times. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's only like nine seconds long, so it's very easy to watch. So, my next one. Uh, Nine seconds is a long time, Jake. It's not that long. All right. Uh, maybe for you. But uh, anyways. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. You sent me up, man. I had to. So, the next thing I'm going to talk about is no calls on PI. And if you're a rival fan, you're about to tune into this, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, a Packers fan's crying about calls. Listen, man. I only wanted to bring this up to show you that Packers don't get all the calls. And I know we won the game, but the point that I really wanted to make is like, 
how the hell does this happen four times and none of them get called? So here's the first one, right? You can clearly see two hands on the back of Alan Lazard. And this play was picked off, by the way. You see the ref looking. I don't even know. The ref is looking right at him, right? Or am I blind? Am I as blind as this ref? No, the ref is blind. He's he's looking he's looking at Lazard in my opinion. He's, so like, he's he's looking right at him. So people are gonna be like, oh, but he's got white gloves on. It blends in with the jersey. No, no, you can I see don't want to hear that. Say so there's there's two white pipes <laughs> yeah. connecting the players. I the only reason I said that is because somebody told me that <laughs> he's got white gloves on. It blends in with the jersey. Oh, I'm like Jesus Christ. You people will come up with anything. I swear to God. So, anyways, let's go to the next one here. Okay. You can clearly see that he is grabbing Lazard's jersey. That is clear as day. I mean, it's literally separating from his pads. I mean, Alan Lazard caught this caught this pass because another perfect pass from Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, I believe him now that his thumb is feeling better. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but he threw some nice passes in this game, even with the the hurt knee that he had. Um, but yeah, this was this was the second one. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So this one, oh my god, what's your explanation for this one? Since he's not wearing white gloves, I'm just wondering. There's, there's no explanation that can be made. Do you say that he's attempting to look at the ball? Yeah. How is he looking at the ball? He's, he's looking forward. I mean, I know his eyes are going back because you can see that, but like, you, he didn't turn his head at all. Didn't make no effort. He literally looks like he's falling down. He's, he looks like he's getting dragged by Dubs right now. And if you if you played the video on this one, I think he holds his arm a little bit too, and you see Dubs try to reach out with one arm. Yeah, you yeah, can see I know he reached on the wrist a little bit. You, like if if Dobbs were to like if Dobbs Dob- is gonna try to lift his wrist over here, like he's not gonna be able to because 27's arm is in his way. Yeah, it honestly, if if I was Dubs or somebody like that, like after after a few, I would have just like tried to to fall over. Like, dude, these guys are grabbing all day. Could have could have at least got you know illegal contact or something. Speaking of illegal contact, yeah this this is my favorite one. This is the worst one for sure. Look at where the ball is. <laughs> how the fuck? <laughs> I, excuse my French. How the fuck do you not call this? And this is the second week in a row. Yep. Second week in a row, same area of the end zone too. Yep. By the way, same player on the Packers. It's He's because not it's not ball. the Christian corner. That's yeah, why. exactly. That's fair. True. It, was, it happened it was, in the left corner. Yeah. He was just oh. giving him a Christmas hug. That's it. So the ref <laughs> thought he was being nice. And he's like, so this is the anti-friendly. <laughs> so my point is, how the hell has that happened four times and none of them are called? I just want to know. It's not rhetorical. Any haters can come in here and tell me tell me what they think because I am honestly interested in what you think. I think this will be something Christian Watson will actually learn to going forward in his career. Like next time he'll stop and he'll try to go back through the player there, I think, and then draw even more contact and maybe take the call, but he's just trying to make the play and the guy's clearly holding him. You know what All I mean? Right. Like it's insane. So. <clears throat> All right. My girlfriend told me to bring down the passion. She can hear me in the bridge. Uh, or you were talking about white pipes and you just get excited. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, we're going. Oh, that's that's the episode we're going with now, Brian. Okay, boy. You said it on me. <laughs> I didn't say it. Tyler said it. I've seen Simon's face. <laughs> I, I was gonna say something else. 
You guys are sick. Yeah, All right, you so, right. <laughs> we want to thank Bruce Irons on Twitter for for these yeah. screenshots. He's definitely the one that um that took the time to to highlight the points at which these took place. So we want to make sure we give him credit for that. This one, this one I took. So this is still on the offense and it there's there's questions of why Patrick Taylor is on the team. Just let this answer the question. I don't think anybody noticed that when we were watching the game cuz I no, didn't I notice didn't. it until I was rewatching this that Patrick Taylor pancakes an outside linebacker before going to make a 17-yard reception on third down and nine. And on the drive that we went to go tie the game. And this was one of the plays right before the Mercedes-Lewis catch. Right before the Lewis catch, this play happened. We had to pick up a big third down. What a freaking play by Taylor. Wow. That's it's actually kind of funny. Had Robert Tunyon screaming wide open, too. It's kind of funny to think of how many times he's been elevated from the practice squad and put back on the practice squad. Exactly. Like his last elevation. That so was such a smart the move by the Packers, though, to um, before once in the season earlier to sign him to the active roster and then cut him the next week and put him back on the practice squad because it's kind of a loophole. They get three call-ups again after that. Yep. Right. So um, With Aaron Jones kind of banged up, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just keep him on the active roster through the end of the year. And I, I remember so. the debate was a big debate in the preseason was who do they keep him or Kylan Hill. And I I definitely – I, I can't remember what I said, but I knew um, Patrick Taylor was an effective runner and could catch the ball in his passing uh, – pass blocking. So I like having him on the team for sure. Good third running back. And at this point, like, we, we still have Tyler Goodson waiting in the wings too. So – I mean, at that point, the the Kylan Hill not release, Kylan, not Kylan Hill. Yeah. but you know, it's not you know a big detriment to the team or anything like that. So, yeah. um, Simon, what two plays stood out to you from the offense? Uh, so I had the fourth and two overthrow to Watson, and I think I, I know a lot of people are mad, and it's really easy to get upset when plays like this don't work, right? But the Packers had the look they wanted. Watson ran a pretty pretty good route. He was wide open. Rodgers just overthrew him. And people get mad. It's like, oh, why didn't you just get the first down? I'll take this every single day because I think more often than not, Rodgers is going to hit that. And what happened earlier in the year on fourth down and versus the Cowboys, Watson catches a TD. I will I will take this every single day of the year if the Packers get the right look, which they did. And I know Rogers overthrew him and it's disappointing, but I'm yeah, I'll, I'll take that every single day of the year. Yep. Anyone have any objections? No, I, I, it's unfortunate no, that, that he it's unfortunate he missed the throw because Watson had a hell of a first half before that injury. Uh, we can talk more about that throw. It's unfortunate Aaron threw that ball late um, and turned to Christian Watson around. But, you know, that's a whole lot of what-if games. But Watson had a hell of a first half before he got hurt. Like, he's becoming a very, very – I mean, he's already a super dangerous weapon for us. That changes our offense. So hey, You know what? I, I kind of – it was unfortunate he slipped, too, uh, near the goal line. I, I can't remember what uh, quarter it was in when first. he caught that ball. Was it the first quarter? I thought so. Yeah. He he slipped on like the two yard line and he was wide open. He probably would have if he caught that in stride and didn't slip. I think he was just going to crush the cornerback into the end zone. 
I also think those are probably the only two bad throws Aaron Rodgers had all game because that throw to Watson in the flat, he turned Watson had to do like a 360 to try to catch it. That and um, it's unfortunate. I'd love to see him get in the end zone because I want to see him. I want to see him. Hopefully, he plays this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the injury report in a little bit, but yeah, uh, I'll just say keep things like though. that to uh, in perspective. Yeah, good yeah. point. Uh, when when we're talking about like third and fourth down, uh, for getting a first down. Uh, last, uh, I got Dobbs in the in the fourth quarter, and he made this really good snag on the right side of the field. He kind of ran a crosser route, or well, he ran like kind of this route where he went inside against Xavier Howard and Howard like held him as he was breaking out. And then he still ran the route and made an amazing snag where it kind of looked like it was almost out of his reach. And it was just a, uh, it was really, I'm pretty sure it was third down. Yeah. He caught that with his hands too. It was a sick snag. Um, but it's, it's really good to see these rookies uh, just making plays game after game. And I mean, they're going to make their rookie mistakes and stuff. Right. But like I said, it's a it's just a sweet snag. I think he's gonna be a re- he's gonna become a really good route runner, and I mean he already kind of is. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers um, talks about all the time how much he loves mm-hmm. that Romeo Dobbs is, catches the ball with his hands. So he hates his rookies, though. You know. Yeah, yeah and he yeah. he talked this week and uh, said that uh, Dobbs is already a really crisp route runner. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that play, like you talked about is uh, we're going to have to give Romeo Dobbs some snaps as a pass rusher because, God damn, what a hell of a move to break through that. That's yeah. all I got to say. He he broke through his entire arm and said, get the hell off me. I got to go get a first down real quick. I mean, that was a crazy <laughs> move that he did. And that's against Xavier Howard. That's not a slouch. That's like an all-pro corner. So. And you saw after the play was done, Rodgers was like holding, holding. Yeah. He, held, he held the fuck out of him. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He did. Hey, Packers get all the calls, though. Yeah, that was a huge play too. Can't say that. Mm -hmm. All right, Brian, what two plays stood out to you on offense? So one of them is offense, and then the other one is special teams, but and an offensive um, drive. So I'll talk about the special teams one first. The start of the game, Uh, Nixon obviously with a huge return, um, absolutely huge return that like put us instantly into scoring position. Right Um, after we gave up points from to Miami. Um, start the game. So it's huge return. Hopefully Nixon can get back to, we'll talk about that during um, the injury report. My thoughts on that. Uh, unfortunately, the Packers just couldn't punch it in for six. Um, this has been plaguing us. It definitely plagued us this game. Um, the one play that kills me on that drive is Aaron Rodgers. He cannot take a 13 yard sack there on second and um, goal cool. from the five yard line. We had a nice run to Aaron Jones for four yards from the nine to the five. And then just to take that sack instantly puts you in third and goal from the 18th. You're not you're not making that play, right? You're um, not very likely you're getting into the end zone there unless, you know, they would actually call a flag for holding or something like that. Um, so, yeah, right. <laughs> With that, that play so, specifically, like there's a lot of this, like the thing we hear about Aaron Rodgers all the time is I wish he was more like Brett Favre and I wish he'd just air it out. But Aaron Rodgers is very methodical about taking care of the ball and, like, in those situations, throwing the ball out of bounds or just throwing it out of the back of the end zone. So we see here's a perfect example of when that doesn't happen, of how it can actually hurt you, you know, outside of him just chucking the ball up for a jump ball or whatever. Whereas if he throws it out the back of the end zone or out of bounds, 
you're looking at third and goal from the five, not third and goal from the 18. And, and people were sharing screenshots, and I've seen it too, and I've watched a re- replay or whatever of Randall Cobb open. He was open for about a split second before that person yeah. was in Aaron's face. That's mm-hmm. where I want him to see him do like one of those sidearm throws where he just throws that Cobb's feet and just gets rid of it, like, and live to, you know, right. for another down and then run a play like that for tight end play or whatever like that. But once you get into third and, you know, eight, a goal from the 18th is pretty much a wash. But the other thing I want to say about that return is what happened after, you know, Miami went up 10 to three, they freaking they didn't want to kick to Nixon. So they tried to squib. He kind of muffed it or whatever he did with it. And we got the ball starting at like our own 46 or whatever it was. So because of the first return, we started the ball essentially at midfield, uh, the next drive at midfield and we tied the game in that drive. Right. So I'm pretty sure anyway. Yeah, think about 10, that. 10 after that. That's crazy that that return put that kind of field position. You know, I looked away for a second. I thought he tried to like surprise onside kick us. I did too. I didn't see it until the replay. I was like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. So, yeah. And then All the right. second thing I want to talk about was. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, sorry. 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 Uh, just the Allen Lazard catch. So yeah. the Allen Lazard catch, that was an absolute like drop in the bucket throw by Aaron Rodgers. We already seen that he was, uh, Lazard was getting held on it. One thing you don't see on the play is this is Mercedes Lewis again. Um, the Dolphins actually blitz. They brought five. Uh, Lewis takes the linebacker that blitz and completely pushes them out of the play by five yards. Like he's on the one hash, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is on the other hash, and the guy couldn't even get close to him. And then the five offensive linemen held up against the other four. I mean, they were pushing, but then he just drops that ball. Just an absolutely perfect throw. That's some Aaron Rodgers vintage throws right there. So. Yeah, I you know I didn't even think about it until you brought it up, but the the fourth down one to, or the third down one to Watson in the red zone, and then the the fourth and two. You know, your point about those being like the only two bad throws that he made, I didn't think about it, but I, I think I agree with you on that. All right, so switching to the defense, two plays that stood out to me. One is Rasul Douglas has had like a really, really up-and-down season. Uh, he had an up-and-down game in this game just on the fact that he gave up a couple catches. Then he had one really good sideline defense of Tyreek Hill that mm-hmm. um, that helped stall a Dolphins drive. Then he got got – he was part of the the Jalen Waddle touchdown, which is going to get talked about. But then he gets the game-ending interception. So really up and down game for Rasul Douglas. What gets kind of lost in this shuffle is that the Dolphins had it was I think it was a third and twelve um, or a third and fourteen, but they try to set up a, a wide receiver screen, and Rasul Douglas absolutely blows it up. And it's not the first time that he's done that this season. So Rasul Douglas. For for the flack that he catches for you know the games where he gives up touchdowns, which he has, like there's no denying that mm-hmm. he is very good at diagnosing plays. He really is, especially when it comes to these screen plays. And honestly, the Packers as a whole are actually pretty good at diagnosing these behind the behind the line of scrimmage plays. Mm-hmm. Um, like we saw it with Kingsley and Igbari last week, like diagnosing the tight end screen. And just, you know, things like that with Preston Smith is another good example of, of diagnosing these types of plays and breaking them up before they can even get started. So I wanted to give Rasul Douglas credit for that. Um, and then the other one I wanted to bring up was the Devondre Campbell interception. So the ball is snapped and Tua drops back. Both middle linebackers, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, drop back into coverage. Raheem Mostert goes to split basically between the hash marks. Tua 
absolutely staring him down. Meanwhile, the entire time, Devondre Campbell's eyes are locked on Tua's. So Tua's thinking he's going to split the two linebackers for the Packers. Devondre Campbell is reading it the whole time. As soon as the ball leaves Tua's hands, Devondre Campbell jumps it, grabs it, catches it with his hands, and, you know, it just continued the momentum for the Packers. So I wanted to give Devondre Campbell credit not only for making the interception, but also for reading the play the whole way by having eyes on Tua and where Tua was looking to go with the ball. Um, I think on that play, if I'm not mistaken, Miami didn't Miami put put someone in motion. Uh, Devondre told I think Quay Walker or something to cover them, knowing he was going to have to come help most on Mostert or anything. Yes, they 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 actually motioned Mostert um, over to Tua's right, kind of like behind the tight end, like the Packers do when they're going to use like an extra receiver or tight end to block. They kind of line them up between the tackle and the tight end, like that's where Mostert came from, and then he was going to run up the basically up the the right hash mark, and that's where Tua was trying to go with the ball. Um, so, yes, that's a good call-out as well. All right, Jake, what two plays stood out to you on defense? So, my first one uh, happened after Rodgers took that shitty – oh, no, this was a different shitty sack. I thought Brian was going to bring up that other shitty sack that Rodgers took where we punted it and they got the ball uh, at, like, midfield after the flag on Wilson after the punt. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was like a five-year penalty. They got it like the 41. Yeah. Uh, it was like the end of the first half. So after they got the ball, they did a nice eight-yard run, two-minute warning, right? So they had second and two, two-minute warning. It's a lot of twos going on here. And they had one timeout. Miami is up 20 to 10 at this point. So right now what they're thinking is like Green Bay's getting the ball at half. If we go get a field goal, that's going to make things really, really tough. Um, So – this is like a really, really massive play. So don't forget uh, after this play that Watson uh, make makes a big catch on fourth down to get us a field goal. But mm-hmm. before any of that happens, Jaron Reed, by the way, who his stat line is a mouthful, six, to- six total tackles, four solo, uh, two quarterback hits, a sack, a fom- forced fumble, and a fumble recovery, which he got on this play. He just stands the right tackle up, waits for Mostert, Oh, God damn it, it couldn't happen against a better person because he <laughs> killed us and we had to hear about it for freaking years. I swear to God, we're still hearing about that. Still, yeah, I was like, yeah. still. <laughs> Stands him up, waits for Mostert to come through the hole and just punches it. And then when the ball's in the ground, he palms it like a boss <laughs> and stands up. And I'm like, go, you big son of a bitch. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, you guys should definitely watch a game. I mean, if we go, If we live stream a game, dude, People are going to think some weird things about me because I, I can't scream and shit. You don't understand. It would not. Brian, me and you would be on the same wavelength, man. I'd just be yeah. yelling shit. I don't even know what I'm yelling sometimes. We'd just sometimes feed into like, each other and we'd probably smash movie. our computers or something. Like, it's just... <laughs> um, but just a massive, massive play because it got the Packers to get the game to a one one, one possession game, which obviously we went and tied it up. We have, the, we have hindsight, you know, but um, got it to 13 – to 20 so i thought that was a really massive play that kind of started a series of events right so i mentioned a series of events and the thing that end that ended in this series of events i picked the play that started it in my opinion and the play that ended it in my opinion is the rasul douglas interception and there was a play earlier that kind of ran the same concept where they had gasecki run up the sideline and they had hill come underneath you're just using hill speed as like a fear factor kind of right so Gasecki breaks up, 
And it looks like Douglas is in man coverage. And Douglas recognizing the play. This is this is the reason that they had to kick this man out of out of the Packers facility because he just watches so much damn film. So because of that, he reads the play, drops back off of Tyreek Hill, and just snatches that thing out of midair. And I'm like, that was absolute mastery. Like that Great was diagnosis. Like I said. That was a fucking bait job, dude. I was like, dude, I was definitely controlling him on Madden when I did that shit because that shit was too beautiful, man. By himself. <laughs> dude, I had to, dude. I'm I'm GOAT. So I just wanted to say that was a crazy play. And but yeah, that was that was crazy. I thought people were like not giving credit to the Packers defense because of Tua's concussion problems, but it's like the Packers have been forcing turnovers for the last couple of weeks, so I don't know why they couldn't make this play in the first place. Also, they said he displayed no symptoms during the second half. Yeah, I know. I saw that. So the, he didn't like he didn't display any until the day after. So I was uh I also uh, he had like a post-game interview too, and he was explaining what happened on every single one. I don't I mean, I'm not like a doctor or anything, so but I've not? seen people that are concussed. No surprisingly no um but i've seen people that are concussed and he was like he was like he knew exactly what yeah. he was talking about it's, it just didn't seem like he was concussed so it was very surprising the next day I, they were like oh yeah he's in concussion protocol and i was like what the hell i really hope he's okay on a real uh, uh, yeah i do you too. Know? Yeah, like yeah. just people i'm not trying to make fun like, of it or anything like yeah. this could be the end of his career to be honest if like i think his family people around him might be asking him to stop I think at least you shut him down for this season. And, you know, Wayne Larravee talked about this on Tuesday morning because he goes on 101, which is a Green Bay radio station, and he talks uh, around 7.15 to 7.30 after the games. And because this was a Sunday game and Monday was kind of the day after, they let him come on on Tuesday. So when I was driving to work, he talked about it, and he said, it's a joke that people are giving the Packers defense credit, you know, talking and giving the excuse of a concussion. It's like, Tua is, you know, a turnover-prone person. I mean, I called it. I talked about the interceptions last week. I had to pat myself on the back. I talked about how he didn't have any interceptions at home. And I'll tell you this. I did bring up that he throws interceptions when he's behind. And guess what? He ended up behind in the second half. And what did he do? He tried to force the ball. So, I I, I mean, trends are trends for a reason. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. And when Wayne Larrabee's calling it out, and he says he's not joking about the concussions either because it's not a joke. That's somebody's life. That's a human. Right. Yep. You know, he's like, that's a joke. You don't want to give credit to the Packers. That's how much you hate the Packers. You don't want to give them credit. That's that's it's, a joke in itself, too, you know? The other thing with that, so the other thing I want to bring up with that is that people, it's okay to adjust your expectations and opinions in light of new evidence. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, that's what you should do. You shouldn't, like, for example, we're playing the Vikings this week. And the Vikings are all like, oh, we beat you in week one. That was 15 weeks ago. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, what happened more recently? We beat um, the Cowboys, right? How'd they do against mm-hmm. the Cowboys? But they don't want to talk about that. It's And it's oh, so, so back so. to like my adjusting expectations thing. Neither of these teams are the same as they were. Like we've seen two rookie wide receiver breakouts. Like, we have several players that are not available that were available in that game, as Mm -hmm. do the Vikings, which we'll get into in the injury report. But Mm -hmm. you can adjust your expectations and your opinions in light of new evidence. Like, Jake's going to talk about it in the the preview. 
like there's three solid weeks in a row now where we have evidence that the Packers defense is better than people are giving it credit for because they're still judging the Packers from the five game losing streak. Now they're on a three game winning streak. It's time to adjust your opinions. And it's not, you know, you're not flip-flopping on something because you have new evidence. You have more evidence of things that are happening. So you can adjust your opinions accordingly. So sorry to cut you off, Jake, but if no, you have anything good. else. No, no, no. You're good to go, man. That's all I had, man. I wanted all to bring right. up Wayne Larrabee because he's a respected Packer personality. Yeah. yeah. All right. Simon, what two plays total to you on defense? Uh, yeah, so just, I mean, this is kind of what we hit on most when we were talking about the preview last week is giving up these large, these big plays to Waddle and Hill. And it, it was disappointing to see in the first quarter to see Waddle take an 84 yarder to the house on their second drive. Uh, first play of the second drive. Yard pass. Huh? Crazy on like yard pass. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was kind of. I don't know. It was kind of disappointing to see kind of how it happened too. It was kind of like this play action screen off to the right. And uh, we kind of rushed five and then Quay played the screen off the running back. And then Waddle kind of ran across her over and it seemed like Douglas. And this is kind of where we were talking about like the, the highs and lows of Douglas. This was kind of a low for him. I'm not really sure what happened. It seemed like he just kind of misplayed it or, something but he was like behind the play all of a sudden like he came down to to play uh waddle and he kind of just over pursued or something it was really strange to watch so waddle obviously just runs straight past him and then down the field jair alexander making a half-ass tackle where i don't really yeah i don't know what happened he just like ran right by him he, he barely, i don't even know if he touched him to be honest he did he, with he, his arm if yeah, nothing just, else he has to take out hill that's all I'm going to say about that, if nothing else. Because then Amos is going to have a either. shot at him. Like, you don't have to like, level him or anything. Like, all you got to do is either just trip him up right. or just get a hand on him and get him off balance yeah. so he falls out of bounds. Uh, yeah, so it was just – it seemed like it was a very lazy, lazy play by the defense. And it was like, oh, man, this is – hopefully this is not how this game is going to go because it kind of seemed like that. I think at one point, Tua had like – 10 passes for like 210 yards or something. Yeah. Or he's just dumping it down the field on us. Um, so I would, I would like to see that tie up, especially, I mean, the Vikings are, and we'll talk about this when we get in the preview a little bit, the Vikings are no shortage of um, playmakers on offense as well. And yeah, we can't do that against 18 and company. Watch out! Uh, they got Irv Smith back this week. Watch oh, out! Boy. I'm tired of hearing about oh, Irv yeah, Smith. He's, 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 it's like the third year in a row I've heard about him. I wanted like, to admit with the Hawkinson, and now that he's on their well, team, now he's the best. In the to be fair, Simon, this is like over 50 years of hearing how dangerous the Vikings are. That's fair. <laughs> to be fair, but they won the 1969 NFL championship. So, you know, it's <laughs> gay that they won that one. Could have been that anybody nice. else. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, what else put out to you? Simon? Uh, yeah, and then uh, Preston Smith strips back in the second quarter, five fifty on the clock. He puts on a six spin move on the right tackle, and he gets on to a. And it looked like he was just going to bring him down. And all of a sudden, he just kind of just grabbed at the ball and rushed. I mean, we didn't get the fumble recovery, but man, Preston Smith's playing some really good ball lately, and yep. it's 
it's he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch from the defense lately. So it's been fun. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. I'm watching him. I still think the Packers kept the right Smith, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it, so uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty on these things, right? right. I, I hate seeing Viking fans being like, thanks a lot, Packers, for giving us a better Smith. Okay, you're taking on a player that had a back injury for all of last year, and our cap hit on him was way too high for us to keep him. Mm-hmm. None of us had any idea that he'd be good as good as he is this year. And uh, Zadira Smith is playing some good ball. I'm not taking that away from him. He's, he's playing yeah, some right. excellent ball. Mm-hmm. I think it worked out for us, though, as well. Mm-hmm. I think Preston Smith's playing some really good ball, too. And, I mean, we're paying part of Zaria Smith's contract, but it we were never going to pay a guy, what, $25 million on especially our cap? Especially with Rashawn Gary waiting and, to win. And especially when he had a he had an issue with what he was getting paid. He stepped away from the team. A whole lot of yeah. stuff happened. Like It was yeah, just I'll, never, never going to work out that we brought him back. And there was that weird thing where he was supposed to go to the Ravens or whatever, and then he turned. Out, I don't know what the hell happened with that. Because he wanted to, he wanted to go to Minnesota just to. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, come at Green Bay like we did anything against him, like we just. I also, we, I, I us as a fan too. base loved him, and still do. I, I hate that totally too. Dangerous. I hate when players leave a team and then they trash talk the team. Yeah, yeah they trash it. I don't care what team you play for. It's very petty to come back after you're gone and start saying all this shit about the team that just paid you millions of dollars to play football yeah. there. And, and I get like to, serious stuff. Sure. Like, like if you it, played for John Gruden in the last five years, like, or like if you I paid for Urban Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I knew that was going to be such a dumpster fire of a hire last year. Too. Yeah. I was like, that's going to go down. Buck Peterson got ran out of Philly. He goes yeah. to Jacksonville and they're going to win the division. Yeah. What <laughs> world we live in. Holy crap. Hey, Trevor Lawrence is Yeah, he's playing really well lately. No, ask a Bears fan. He's not better than Justin Fields in his 20 fumbles. Okay. But fumbles don't matter, right, Simon? 20 fumbles don't matter, man. (laughs) Okay, so. um, Not concerning. I'll say the Jair interception is the first one I chose, and that's just because the ball doesn't lie. This was immediately after the Aaron Rodgers (laughs) This is immediately after the Aaron Rodgers interception where Lazard just gets shoved in the back. This is a first play afterwards, so I love that. Uh, the other thing about it was a return. He had a great return all the way back up to the 14-yard line, which put us in field goal range, um, our scoring range. This is what, the second one, and we didn't come for you know, with great um, starting position. But then I think my favorite part about the whole thing was just this post-game interview. If you, I'm sure we've all seen it. But like, we shared it on the page. If you haven't seen it, yeah. you can go to the Wisco Fanatics Facebook page. It's on there. 
He's like, is he really over throwing this? Oh, snap. <laughs> he's like, just he said, oh, oh, yeah. oh, he fast. Yeah. He fast. <laughs> like, just as, and uh, well, I'll talk about this one. I'll talk about Joe Barry. But uh, just his personality, like, I can't be more than happy to have a player like that on our he team. He overthrew yeah. it. I caught it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I run it so over. Funny. I turn it over to my guys. I give the ball to a kid wearing number 23. <laughs> yeah, like, and I love it. So, I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's been burnt toast this year. Actually, when he's playing man-to-man, he's only given up like a 75% or uh, 75 quarterback rating and whatnot. So, you know what's funny? Still very was good. In, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it because I know you're going to bring it up when we get to Joe Barry. So, yeah, you're going to bring up his comments. So, the other thing I want to talk about was that horrendous fake punt. Like, oh, what the hell oh. were we doing? Just an absolute, this is probably one of the worst calls I've I can remember in a long, long time. Just an absolute terrible call from our own 20. And we were down a touchdown at that point, right? Only down a touchdown. And the plays to have Dallin Levitt on your fake to run it up the middle of a loaded box is just insane. Um, so thank God on the fault. So the ensuing um, defensive hold, do you guys know how many sacks we had for the game? Four? Mm, three or four? Two. Two sacks. Two. Oh, wow. And they both came on that drive following the nice. fake punt. So the Miami had a hold, and then Jaron Reed got a sack. They still got a freaking first down on a long third down play. But then Preston Smith had that um, strip, sack, um, that strip sack fumble to cost them 10 yards or whatever. So they got the three points, but that ultimately helped, you know, led to us getting to 20 to 13 instead of 24 to 13 at halftime. And then, we, like I said, we're 20 to 13. Then it's 20, 20 before Miami sees the ball again. And then they never, as we, you know, go up from there. And that's the end of it. So that was just a huge defensive hold. And after an absolutely a fake punt from our own 20. Uh, for a two-yard gain, too, you got to make two, two yards in a loaded box. If it was a half a yard, okay. But, I mean, he didn't make any yards. This is almost, do you remember that play where the Colts ran against, like, the Patriots, where it was, like, just yeah. the center? <laughs> That's what I felt like about this. Like, what are you doing? Like, the, I could not believe we did that because it could have cost us a game. If, luckily, if they would have gave him the option to run outside, he yeah. probably would have got the first down because a big right. hand. They were lined up in, like, punt block formation. But the fact yeah. that he went straight into all that manhood in there, I was like, <laughs> what? The play was <laughs> – Dude, I just didn't understand. That. I got that one, Simon. That one got me. Dude, Sorry. you guys need to stop. Okay, there was a lot of men. <laughs> like the fourth time you did it, this one show. And this is the okay. first time I Listen, reacted to I it. I can't help that you guys are all perverts. Okay, that's not my problem. <laughs> but you should be better, better with your words, sir. You guys need to go to therapy. That's what I think. Uh, you're probably right, but I ain't going. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I'm not changing my ways. Like you guys sick <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I just thought that was a terrible call. So, last thing on the Dolphins game, I'll bring up uh, Bernard's question. Do we think Rodgers looks bad by not having a 300-yard game yet? My opinion, I say no. Like We went into this season expecting um, a lower yardage season from Rodgers. Like, I expected more touchdowns from Rodgers, but lower yardage um, because we were expecting to lean on the running game so heavily, and we knew coming into the season that – you know, the, the free agent wide receiver that we signed was Sammy Watkins, who was a blocking guy. And then we were going with Alan Lazard and two rookies and Randall Cobb. So we knew we were going in with inexperienced receivers and blocking receivers and, like I mentioned, four tight ends. So I don't think 
it makes Rodgers look bad. I just think we're getting into those later stages of his career where he's, you know, he's not going to be winning games entirely by himself, you know, like he was during the Mike McCarthy days. Um, so I don't think it makes him look bad. Um, I kind of expected it. I mean, I thought he'd have a couple here and there, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm like disappointed in his play or anything. I don't know if you guys have thoughts or if you agree with me on that or not. I mean, it is – I don't really care about the 300 games. Rodgers has never been a monstrous volume quarterback where he's going to get 300 games on the regular. If you go back and look, he's been a very efficient passer uh, for most of his career, and so he's never going to have like these 50 – you know, 40, 50 – yard pass attempt games on the regular. Um, I will say, though, this is his worst average yards per attempt since, like, 2015 at only 6.8. So on that he aspect, it's been – balls that might go up, too. Yeah, it, it's been – I'm not going to say Rodgers has been, like, super shitty this year, but it's been kind of a disappointing season. I will also say, though – this is the most drops he's had. This is going to overlap 2020 drops um, by probably a few this year. Um, he's had his receivers have dropped 28 balls, and that's a clip of 5.7%. Well, I don't know. To me, the numbers are deceiving. Uh, I just looked it up real quick. Tom Brady's had nine games where he's thrown 270-plus yards this season. How has he looked? Like, so it's, it really is, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has never been the type of player that he's going to throw for 300 yards a bunch of games. He's just super efficient. So I don't think it necessarily looks bad. If you look at most of the games this season, like the Packers actually haven't been like down in a lot of games where it's like they need to climb back into the game by throwing the ball. Like it hasn't happened a lot. Uh, The only game I can think of is the first week against Minnesota maybe. Yeah, and that wasn't even his highest attempts this year. Yeah. The Jets game was bad. Yeah. And I mean, the like Lions game was bad, but we weren't I even mean, behind that that much. They were still within. But he still attempted like, what, 40 passes? 43 passes. Yeah. I think that was one of those weird games where, I don't know, it's like one of those weird well, things where Matt LaFleur always feels like he has to pass to come back when we're not going to be um we don't necessarily need to you know what i mean this is what i'll say there's a lot of moving variables right the offensive line wasn't set for weeks the receivers we had rookies though one of our rookies was in and out of the lineup dubs was in and out of the lineup we had receivers running the wrong routes we had no idea what the hell the defense was doing we had no idea if the floor was going to finish the season we had no idea if barry was going to finish the season it's been a crazy fucking year like point blank period and having a guy like Aaron Rodgers at the helm that can kind of calm some things down, give some people some confidence. I don't care about yards. I never have. I never will. Yeah, I never cared about yards when Devontae, when I was calling Devontae number one wide receiver, I still think Devontae is number one wide receiver in the NFL. He just separates differently. That's just my opinion. I'd, He's I'd always take, open. I'd still take Devontae over Julio Jones. I still take yeah. Devontae over Justin Jefferson right now. I'm not and even we fucking play, kidding. Um, we would, uh, we've played 15 games this year. We haven't. We, we don't have a single wide receiver that's played 15 games. The highest is Alan Lazard at 13. So it's just been like you said, it's been constant shuffling. So and, he, yeah. you know what I mean. So, so I mean, 300 yard game. I don't care. 
I want touchdowns. I want wins. And touchdowns, lately, yeah. we've been getting touchdowns. We've been getting wins. So that's all I give a shit about. All right. All right, Brian. Oh, you're not going to laugh at that one? Hmm? You bastards. Which one? Fuck all you. <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> we love you. All right, Brian. Give us the Packers Vikings injury report. So I'll start with the Vikings. They'll be without uh, their center, Garrett Bradbury. And they'll be all, and that's pretty much it. They're, they have a defensive lineman, James Lynch, out, but he's only played four games this year. He's not really been with them. So, but the Packers have Nixon and Watson are questionable. Um, obviously, those are huge injuries for Green Bay to watch. Um, Watson was limited today. So I'm hoping that he can go if he got through practice all right. Um, Nixon, it'll be interesting because if they decide to only use him as a returner and say he's not going to play defense, then there's probably, since it was a muscle injury, they might be just not having him practice all week, let him rest because he's just going to return kicks for us. So a lot of stretching. He's been stretching the last couple of days and stuff. So, and the fact that they put him as questionable instead of doubtful is nice. Um, it does make the, in, I don't want to get too much into the addition of Bo Melton, but we'll see what happens with that because I know you're going to talk about that, Tyler. So, but yeah, I'm hoping that Watson and Watson is a, he literally changed our offense. So I'm hoping he can go in some capacity, even if it's as a decoy. And then Nixon, um, like I said, it'll be interesting if he can go or not. Watson did get in limited practice the last two days, so that gives me some encouragement that he'll he be was only to limited today. They listed him as a non-participant the last two games. It well, was uh, Ronald's, yeah, yeah. It was erroneously reported that he was going to practice on Thursday. He did not, but he was out there okay. stretching with him. He did he take his helmet with him. I did see that that yeah. he was doing the the after stretching portion that Nixon yeah. wasn't that Watson was. And I'll say Watson didn't seem too concerned after the game. So yeah. Um. So. To your point, you kind of touched on it already. You brought up Bo Melton. Um, actually, we did we did a lot of draft prep this offseason, Jake and I did, and um, I'm sure going into 2023's draft, we'll, we'll uh, get Simon and Bryant's input on that as well. I had Bo Melton as my number 19 wide receiver in the draft. Um, he ended up being a seventh-round pick to the Seattle Seahawks, and the Packers just snagged him off of here. And – you know, maybe he's a guy who becomes a future practice squad player for the Packers and they kind of just stash him and see what they have. Um, in my opinion, he's on the same level as Samari Toure as a stick him out there, see what you got. Then maybe he turns into something in the future. That said, he did have a 9.22 RAS score. Um, so very high, one of the highest in the draft. Um, I've written down in my draft prep that he runs good routes. He high points the ball well. And with his 4.34 speed, he could be useful on special teams. So that's that's what I'm seeing from Bo Melton. Um, Bryant, talk to me about the Packers running game. Okay, yeah. So for the running game, I really just think uh, this kind of needs to carry us through the next two games, especially if Christian Watson um, doesn't play. Because like I said, I think it's going to – if Christian Watson is out there, our ability to stretch the field, unless Bo Melton comes in and surprises, or they we use some Arturi, that dude can fly too. But um, uh, anyway, sorry, I was reading that chat. Uh, so the running game, I think, needs to carry us. So the next two teams we play are the Lions and the Vikings. They're both bottom half of the league and stopping the run. So I think we need to let both Aaron Jones, who's been solid all year, and AJ Dillon, who's been a monster the last month or so. Uh, just take over these games, right? Teams don't want to tackle A.J. Dillon when it's going to be cold in Green Bay. I can tell you that right now. Um, and Jones can break off a huge one anytime. time. Um, so if Watson is unable to go and, you know, our, I feel like it kind of compresses our offense, um, our playbook, I think that 
I hate you guys. <laughs> Anyways, so um, <laughs> so I think it'll compress our uh, playbook some. So I that, I think that's where we just let um, Aaron Jones, who's historically done very well against the Vikings, and, and hope, I know he's been a little bit banged up. He keeps getting banged yeah. up, but him and AJ Dillon, if they can get 15 carries a piece or 10, you know, 12, 15 carries a piece each of these next two games, um, it'll be great. Obviously, we have to win this one, so the last one matters because if the last one doesn't matter. Um, We'll see some change-ups, but we got to get through this one, and I think we need to let A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones be a huge part of our game plan this week. And I want to throw in Patrick Taylor. Um, yeah. We showed the clip of him making that, that block and then getting a huge catch on third and nine. Aaron Jones, he had, I think, eight touches against the Dolphins, and it wasn't because, you know, Matt LaFleur is ignoring the running game. Like, Aaron Jones, they said, has been limited in practice the entire season. They just haven't put him on me about that. And then it comes out that he was injured. Um, and we we saw it in some games. And now, so I want to throw in, we're talking about the running game. I want to throw in Patrick Taylor because he might not play, you know, he's not going to play 20% of snaps or anything, but he's he could play five to seven snaps and get three to five touches. So we just want to make sure that he maximizes those as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to answer, or I want to bring up Robert uh, Robert's comment as well. He said our offensive line looks much different this time around compared to week one will help tremendously. That's a, that's a really, really good point as well. Um, we didn't have Bakhtiari, didn't have Elton Jenkins, and we didn't he really didn't even have the, um, the, um, like the breakout of Zach Tom. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think Zach Tom's playing this week because Yash Nyman is off the injury report, but we're still looking at our best alignment of offensive linemen all healthy for this game. And honestly, like, I want to give David Bakhtiari credit for playing three weeks after having an appendectomy. Like, that's that's warrior-type stuff. That's – like, we talked with Mike Spofford two weeks ago. He said that's a one-month recovery time. And yeah. Bakhtiari's coming back to play an NFL football game after three weeks. Not even going to say it. <laughs> say what? About being a drinking beer. I was going to make a drinking beer comment. It's a good point about the offensive line being um, come back. I wouldn't see mind seeing down Levy get a few more carries too. All right, Simon, talk about the red zone offense. Can't hear him. Can't hear you, Simon. No, I can't hear Simon. Well, he's fired. Can you hear me now? No, nope, we just see your stupid face, Simon. No, you're not muted either. I checked. <laughs> no, we can't hear you for real. All right. Well, let's do let's do some matchups. For me, the Packers offensive matchups, it's more to me about the pass catchers. It's not so much I'm looking at one specifically. If we're looking at Romeo Dobbs getting healthier. Christian Watson potentially questionable, potentially missing the game. Um, we're going to need to spread Minnesota's defense out, so we're going to have to figure out a way to do that. Um, so for me, I'm really, really going to be watching Romeo Dobbs, whose snap counts have been increasing the last couple weeks. Um, Simon, are you back now? Or I don't know. Can you hear me? Oh, yep. there you go. Okay. Talk about the I don't know what happened. I adjusted my mic, and I must have disconnected. Yeah, you're fired mic. anyways. That's fine. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. So, uh, yeah, I kind of hit on it last week a little bit. And it, huh? I said it won't be the last. Oh, no, definitely not. 
I hit on it last week, but I want to hit on it again this week because it was kind of frustrating watching our red zone offense go to work again. So I kind of – so we had four red zone trips, came away with two touchdowns and two field goals. But it was kind of disappointing to see how they operated too. So including penalties in the red zone when we got there, four plays negative four yards after the Nixon return uh, to start off the game, kick a field goal. Then we went seven – plays 17 yards and then we took a fourth down it took a fourth down to get that touchdown to lewis then we got to the miami seven off a 31 yard pass to uh to mercedes lewis then aj Dillon had the two carries for seven yards and a touchdown then in the miami 14 jair after the jair interception five plays four yards and a field goal and then we went down to the miami 15 after an encroachment play on First and uh, at their twenty, and then went three yard, uh, three plays and nine yards for a field goal, and that's including penalties and stuff. But it's just, it's very aggravating to see an offense kind of. It seemed like we were moving the ball pretty well for for the most part, up and down the field, and it 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 felt like that game could have been like forty to twenty, you know. We've had a lot of games like that too. It yeah. felt like that against the Rams, so. I do think this is something we really need to um, – I agree with you. This is something we really need to work on the next two weeks. Um, and you'll see that in my key to victory, honestly, yeah. because uh, not converting in the red zone is – if we every team we beat from here on out is a playoff game. If we're going to – I'm honestly – I one of the things we talked about last week was we cannot make simple mistakes and uh, against Miami because they're not the Rams. We still made some of those mistakes, and we ended up winning. So that was just a really good performance in the second half. But going forward, we definitely Packers don't want to do it against the Vikings. In the NFL, in red zone efficiency, Packers are 24th in the NFL in red zone percentage yeah. on the season. It's like 50. Over the last three games, they are still bad. 19. <laughs> so yeah, still so bad. It's not... middle middle of the pack, back end middle of the pack. So it's just something I'd like to see them perform better at. All right, Simon, what's your matchup here? Wow, okay, I guess we're going to skip the other crap. Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going our tackles now that Yash Nyman is back healthy and Dave Bakhtiari is off the injury report, both of them off the injury report, versus um, Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. So combined they have 142 pressures and 22 sacks on the year and they're basically they're 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 going to be the ones that get sacks if they do so i and something's going to give and bakhtiari's had a wonderful year when he's played and so i'm really looking forward to see because zadarius smith kind of owned us week one he had his way against um, against nyman so yeah. Bakhtiari's health, I think, will play a huge factor in this game and neutralize helping neutralize Zadarius Smith. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian, what's the matchup you're watching on offense? Uh, kind of same as you. I'm watching Alan Zard and Romeo Dubs versus secondary, but I think the reason I put that down is because I think it could be like a possession-type receiver game, especially if sure. Watson doesn't play. Uh, we not may, may not see as many shots on the field, but I do 
think we could see the Packers holding the ball through the running game and the short passing game. So I'm definitely watching because those are, you know, Watson is his speed, but Lazard and um, Dubs are definitely the more polished route runners. So I could see a lot of slants and short uh, passing game to those two. And ex- and you can throw Randall Cobb in that conversation too. Um, so I think that's what I'm watching is their secondary because the Vikings um, secondary. So the Vikings are giving up the league leading worst 281 yards per game um, passing second worst average at 7.9. They've given up 21 touchdowns. They do have 13 interceptions, um, but they're also, so they're, I mean, they're in the bottom half of the league as well in rushing at 4.4 yards per carry and 15 touchdowns. So um, they do have, in, they do have 36 sacks on the season. So that's the middle of the pack. Like you said, Simon, it's only, um, you know, is it area Smith and Neil Hunter after that it drops off quite a bit? I know we can't say much because, you know, we haven't had the production as much either. But um, I, I do think this could be the type of game where we just want to possess the ball a lot. We want to give it to our running backs a lot. And then we just that short passing game. So if we can get that victory, if we can get that short passing game going um, with the running game, I think uh, the Vikings will have trouble getting back on the field. Just tipped it all the way right around it. Jake, uh, what's the matchup you're watching? <laughs> I'm not hiding from it. I'm going to say it. Um, it's going to be Watson versus the Vikings defense and also versus the Nagy Packer fans that mm. just all came out in full force uh, week one and have still not given up on it. I'm still seeing comments, you know, because he got banged up in the Miami game of him being injury prone and all this other bullshit. So I'm going redemption Watson versus the Vikings and the Nagy Packer fans. And good God, would I love nothing more than to stick it to those two specific groups of people. I'm with that. All right, Jake, I'm going to stay with you. Talk about the Packers second half defense during their three game winning streak. Oh man. You want to talk about a beautiful thing? Holy crap. Um, so in the first half, uh, this is, j- this is totals. Um, and, before I even get into, uh, that's why I'm hoping Watson plays, LOL. I agree with you, Robert. I 100% agree with you. You can join me on the bus of telling people to suck it. Um, so <laughs> I thought, <laughs> Simon, shut the hell up. Or I'm going to mute you myself. <laughs> Courtney. Courtney says hi. So, that's my wife. Okay, back on track. Simon, don't bother me. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. You stupid laugh. I hear it. Um, before we talk about this, I thought this was a great thing to bring up, um, not just because the Packers are playing well, but because the Vikings have had a really, really like great ability to come back and win close games. So this is the second half of this game is going to be something. I'm going to tell you what. It's going to be heartbreak or it's going to be joyous. So it's, it's going to be – we're not getting anything else, and it's going to be a one-score game, and I don't give a shit what anybody says. It's not going to be a double-digit game. It's going to come down to the final possession. Um, so that's that was really the reason I brought this up. In the first half, during this three-game win streak, the Packers have given up a total of 42 points, which you're thinking like six quarters, 42 points. I mean, that's not horrible. But then you get to the second half, and over the, the second half, over six quarters of this three-game win streak, They've given up nine points. That is outstanding. Um, I should have wrote down the the amount of turnovers total in the second half, which shame on me. But I can tell you right now that it's at least. We had three last game. We had the interception against the Rams. So that's four. What about when the second half? Did we intercept? Yeah, we had two interceptions. 
Yeah, we had two interceptions, didn't we? Weren't both interceptions in the second nope. half? So that's at least six. That's uh, seven. Fumble. We have a fumble recovery. I, I want to say it was eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight. I think eight sounds good. So, I mean, Jaron Reed fumble re- their Jaron Reed fumble recovery was in the second half. So, that's... second quarter. That was second quarter. Oh, oh yeah, you're second right. Quarter. All right. right. So, I guess we'll call it seven. So, we'll, we'll go seven. So, we'll, we'll go seven or eight. I'll Either way, seven turnovers in just the second half of the last three games. Right, right. That's still a shit ton. If you think about it, we almost have as many forced turnovers in the second half as points given up over the last three games. So, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. So, you look at it that way. This second half, honestly, our season on the line. They're our bitter rival. They're trying not to let us in the party because they know that we have the ability to knock their ass out. It's in our home, man. It's going to be something. Yeah. At Lambeau, what better place for it to happen, man? Seriously. So I want to I give credit to just one specific guy. If there was like an underrated performer for, you know, the last five or games or so, like I would throw Justin Hollins in this mix. Um, and I just want to give Justin Hollins for um, – for doing things that don't show up in the stat sheet always. Um, <clears throat> because he's actually done a very good job against Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and then just actually getting pressure on quarterbacks and holding contain on guys. That doesn't mm-hmm. always show up in the stat sheet because guys will throw the ball away or, you know, they'll get, you know, a one-yard rush instead of a 10-yard rush. Like, that stuff doesn't always show up. So I wanted to give Justin Holland some credit, and then I wanted to also pair that into Brian Gutekunst. Because I am still seeing people saying dumb shit about the Packers working guys out. This is literally an all-season thing. They're going to constantly replenish the roster and constantly replenish the practice squad. Every team is doing this. Stop saying dumb shit like, oh, that'll win them a Super Bowl. Dude, they, every single team is going to replace players on their scout squad replace players on their practice squad, release and pick up players throughout the entire season. Are people already forgetting about Russell Douglas last year? Yep. Or Campbell. Uh, or Campbell. Or really. But they'll, tur- they'll turn to Jalen Smith and say he didn't work, or uh, Abrams this year and say, oh, look at see. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Anything like- to fit the narrative. Okay, so even let me let me say this even even if you're just getting guys who are gonna help like simulate what you're going against, like even if they just brought in Bo Milton to simulate um, the Vikings return man who is second to Keyshawn Nixon in returning yards, the Vikings have the second highest return man and special teams. They could yeah, be bringing man. in Bo Milton just to simulate that for the special teams. Just throwing that out there as a potential thing. But, uh, Simon, talk to me about Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, so Dean Lowry got sent to season-ending IR. I know a lot of Packer fans are really sad about that. Um, <laughs> partly sarcasm, but I also feel bad. I mean, he's been a good Packer. Lowry. It's not his yeah, fault I mean, that they made him be this number two defensive lineman for so long. <laughs> I mean, 101 consecutive games, like yeah. six and a half sacks last year. I mean, I feel – yeah, I feel bad. I mean – I, I like Dean Lowry as like a person or whatever. But Jeff, I know you're I know you're just kind of talking shit, but if you want to, please bet me money that Jefferson gets two hundred yards and three touchdowns. Okay, cool. But so <laughs> yeah, with that on. happening, I, I we're gonna see an increase in usage of Devonta Wyatt. And we've said this, I, I feel like we've said this like four weeks in a row. 
Every time you put him on the field, something happens. In limited snaps, I think he had 24 snaps last game. He had two pressures. They both kind of came on the same drive. But you always kind of see him around, or he always makes a solid move. I think going forward, he's going to be – He's going to be a key piece if we make a run at the playoffs for the defense. And I'm ready to see more of him. Right, your brother said Lowry makes great all season. Yeah, he's just being, he's just being Chris. That's it. What did he say? <laughs> he said Lowry makes great all season. <laughs> I mean, I like Lowry's on my I I do do too, but... <laughs> Not the time, Chris. God damn it. I hate okay, so I might go on a mini rant here. I hate seeing people blame the refs before the game even fucking starts. Yeah. That shit is ridiculous. It it the narr this narrative that the Packers get all the calls has been so increasingly hey, Jeff, frustrating. Jeff wasn't here. Say Jeff. Uh, sorry. But it's just <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like it, it's like Viking fans are already using the ref excuse. <laughs> Before the game even starts, he didn't see our players like getting destroyed. Uh, he wasn't here for your segment, Jake. So yeah, because I don't. I, it's just so stupid. If you if you blame the refs for a game winning or losing, you're a loser. You're a fucking loser. I don't care. And it's it's something that I hate complaining about because honestly, like unless it's something that like is super blatant on like the game deciding play. Like I do believe that there are always things that you could have done better to negate yeah, that absolutely. from being something to decide. It's it's like it's like the oh, man. There's plenty of examples of games where, I mean, you can say the ref had a hand in it, but at the end right. of the day, it's on your team to win right. or lose. You know, games. if it's something like being like four for twelve on third downs or. You know, like stuff like that. Like, there's yeah. always something that you could have there's done. Only a few blatant examples lately that, like, right. like the yeah. Saints and Rams team, or even Washington and uh, who were they playing a couple weeks ago? Giants, where yeah, like I like hugged him in the end zone. Even the mm-hmm. NFL, like one of the few times the NFL will come out and say, "Yeah, they missed a call." Yeah, I don't know. I or just, what they did, you know, like what they did to Scary Terry about telling them that he was right. good, and then they threw the flag on him, stuff like that. So, right. but other than that, like even we seen that there was four missed calls, but. To be honest, there was a couple times that, uh, you know, um, Douglas and stuff got a little handsy and they let it go too. So as long as they're calling it fairly, but when it's a blatant one, like they push Lazard in the back, like that needs to be called. Right. So. Yeah. All right, Brian, talk about Joe Barry. They need to fire him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just oh, throw a whole yeah, show This off is one of those scenarios where it's like, <laughs> it's okay to adjust your opinion based on new evidence. Yeah. So, um, Jake talked about it. Defense has given up an average of three points over the second half over the past three games. And it's been the 11th best on the, on the whole season at averaging 9.7. Um, that's showing that they're the better half defense, second half defense, and they make adjustments. Um, he does catch. I mean, you've heard me talk about it many a times. Joe Barry catches a lot of flack for the zone we play. We came in saying that it needed to happen this game. Granted, we didn't think this all, I mean, excuse me, Hill and Waddle were going to go for 240 or whatever. Um, and it has cost us in the past, especially on like the third and longs and where we play soft. But, um, this game we adjusted, shut them off in the second half. Um, we really, I want to give them credit because we switched to the nickel defense midway through the game. Um, and then we, which basically just put an extra defensive back. And I think that helped clog up the zones more. And then, uh, we put Savage at safety. So for him to make that change and I, the funny part is we talked about this, right? We talked about, I wonder if we'll see Savage more because his speed 
can help against these guys. And lo and behold, he gets in and everyone's like, the best thing about Savage's game is we didn't really hear about him all game. The fact that we didn't hear his name is a good thing, right? So right. if he can play like that and just help us the rest of the season, I don't know if that they're going to split the stats. It'll be interesting to see what they do between Ford and Savage going forward. But just the fact that they went to nickel, stayed in that, I think it helped clog the zone more. And all three of the interceptions in the second half were from zone plays. So, And that's what I really uh, like to see. You already you talked about this, on the you, go ahead on the savage snap specifically if nixon is going to be only used partially in this game or he's going to be on like a snap call oh, that's true. where okay. i think you would see the savage increase is that using him as that that other yeah corner. and we even got in his gains on the field so um so like you talked about rasul douglas played that zone perfectly jair he's seen tyree kills pull, uh speed he backed up to a made a bad throw the, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> andre campbell read that zone perfectly um, so where we give him a lot of crap and I do still think we need to play aggressive on third and longs, especially mm -hmm. like, um, we'll talk, I have, did I write it? Maybe in my key to victory or something, but for this game, I'll just say it now, if we're going to play, if we get him in third and long, third and seven, third and six, that's where I do think we need to jam Justin Jefferson and pressure up the middle, because if we can put pressure on the middle and take away cousins quick outlet, he's going to struggle some. So I, I, it, in the situations where um, it's third and long, I do want to see Jair right up with Justin Jefferson because I think they'll try to get rid of the ball quickly with some help on the back end from safety. So, but I'll just say like our second half defense has been a lot, a really good last half of the season, especially last three games. So keep it up. And I think we'll be all right. Simon, what's the matchup you're watching on defense? So I just, I mean, Brian pretty much stole fucking everything I was going to say, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be our secondary versus their pass catchers. Yep. I mean, with the addition of Hawkinson, they're they're loaded. I mean, I like Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson's an elite talent, one of the best in the league. Hawkinson has been pretty, pretty good since he's gotten there. And um, Who the hell is Zaire? We ain't watching basketball, Jeff. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> KJ Osborne had a had a few really good games this year, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what Joe Barry comes up with to stop these guys. I mean, yeah, I was, and then uh, Dalvin Cook's no slouch out of the backfield either. True. Yes, Robert, um, that is mine. So, like Sorry, Robert just said, well, I was going to key off of Robert talking about the interior O-line. I kind of talked about earlier in the game. So for me, it's, you know, Clark Reed and Wyatt versus Ingram, who has been meh kind of, and then Cleveland, who's been pretty good. And then the Schlotman or whatever, their backup um, center, who's been not all that great is pro PFF, you know, great is 48.6. So the interior of our line can get immediate pressure up front and slow down the run and pressure uh, Cousins. I think he'll make some mistakes, take a sack uh, or throw it away kind of quickly. I think, uh, this is like I said. I want to see Jaw and JJ's face on, you know, the back and help on the back end. So take away that quick outlet on Cousins. So mine is a, our interior line versus their interior line. All right, Jake. What matchup are you watching on defense? I'm watching the Packers for four. So including Justin Smith and either Anigbare or Hollins, whoever is over there at that time, uh, versus the Vikings offensive line. Um, Bryn won't let me watch Larry. Yeah, it's sorry to hear that, man. We had a lot. We had a great episode. You commenting uh, earlier, why couldn't you? She she calls the shots over there. Apparently, where's the pants? Oh, I guess gotta kick her to the curb. Um, 
So, you know, we, we face some pretty, you know, mobile quarterbacks, I'll say. A couple of the last guys were mobile quarterbacks. Fields is a running back. So we faced a running back and a couple of mobile quarterbacks last couple of weeks. And now we have a guy that drives a minivan and puts on fake chains. So I think we need a pressure up front. Um, I agree with Bryant. I love your idea of using the a, double A-gap blitz against them. You know, give them a taste of their own medicine. Let Quay Walker go get him. And uh, let's let's just make Kirk uncomfortable. I think if you can bottle up Dalvin Cook and you can make Kirk uncomfortable and take away some of those quick outlet passes, and I, I actually think that the quick outlet guy is either going to be Hawkinson or Thielen. He looks for Thielen a lot in those kind of emergency situations. Hawkinson will be a key to this game for sure. Um I think if you take if you take that stuff away, and I understand that I'm just saying a lot of options, and it's definitely easier said than done. But I want the Packers to just fucking attack. I mean, you got nothing to lose, right? Backs against the wall. So let's just go get this shit. Let's be nasty up front, and let's. Kenny Clark can win this game by himself. I'm just gonna say that. Kenny I'm Clark can win another this guy who can win this game by himself based on how he plays. And for me, it's Quay Walker. Because we're talking mm. about talking about TJ Hawkinson and like you mentioned Dalvin Cook a couple times. Quay Walker can end up having to cover both of them in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. So if Quay Walker can have his best game of the season and make a statement against two guys who have very different skill sets, obviously, as a running back and a tight end, you know, that's why we drafted Quay Walker was to be able to use him in multiple ways. So if like this is the game. Like we need Quay to have his best game of the season, in my opinion. And it mm-hmm. it could totally wreck the Vikings' game plan if, cause, like, it's no secret that Justin Jefferson is going to command a shit ton of attention. It's not, you know, it's not surprising to hear some of us say that we're watching Justin Jefferson because he's great. But you're looking at the other guys that the Vikings are going to go to, like the Hawkinsons, the Thielens, the Cooks. Quay Walker is going to be the guy that's kind of patrolling all of that, like Devondre Campbell as well. But um, I'm really looking at Quay Walker because he's he's a rookie. He's got the tools. I want to see him prove it in a game where where the pressure is on. So we talked about offense, talked about defense. Simon wanted to talk about special teams. Yeah, the special team coverage has been pretty pretty damn impressive lately, honestly, especially on kickoff returns. And the Vikings are currently fourth in kick return average at 25.1, and they have a touchdown on the year. Really good returner. Yeah, and he's been uh, he's been really good for them this year. So the starting after at the kickoff, the starting spots for Miami were 20, 16, 25, 25, 18, and 28. So one passed if they just took a touchback. That that's impressive for something that's been a problem for the last decade and it's i mean we've talked about Bisaccia for this whole year and how how much special teams has improved and they'll they'll need to do it again against the vikings who have a pretty good return game Ooh, bill said bucks 123 timberwolves 114 Giannis 40 20 and 5 damn i will take that every day um, okay, Bill. I texted Tyler, Tyler too, but he doesn't answer me. That's very nice of you, Tyler. So, Brian, talk about some of the Vikings' guy. vulnerabilities, and then we're going to get into the the last bit of stuff here. So, one thing I was really surprised about when I was looking up 
like their stats and all that stuff. I was really surprised to see they're actually the first, fifth worst rushing offense in the in the league with only ninety five four point five yards per game and like uh, seventh worst at at four point one yards per carry. Um, they are top ten in rushing touchdowns, so Cook is good at getting across the goal line once he gets there. Um, I will say they average the seventh highest points per game, so that's pretty good. But so they do have the sixth most passing yards per game, um, but they throw a crazy amount, and that's why. So they're third in the league with 604 attempts. You think we throw a lot? That's 95 more attempts than Green Bay. So um, they have thrown 11 interceptions. uh, And the thing is, they've been sacked 45 times, which is the sixth most. um, So that's 16 more than what Green Bay has on the season. So they're getting sacked at least one more per game. So, uh, and one thing I'm kind of watching for this game uh, is Kirk Cousins has had some fumble issues in the past. Um, from 19, 2019 to 2021, he fumbled 31 times. Um, but he has been pretty good no this year. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been pretty good this year with only five. Um, so I do think if we can pressure him and hit him, we could um, cause some fumbles. Our strength is our secondary. I know JJ went nuts on us. I don't anticipate us even – he'll probably have over 100 yards again this game. The Q will be um, – holding down everyone else and TJ Hawkinson is going to be a big part of that. But I do think if uh, you made a great point about Quay Walker, if he can slow down the run and we can just slow down Dalvin cook, cause Dalvin cook absolutely killed us a couple of years ago in green Bay. Um, if we can slow that down and they can't get a running game going and we're able to stop that with the interior line against, you know, their, their uh, more weak interior line. Uh, I think that could be huge. So they will turn the ball over, even though they, they do have a positive turnover ratio, but um, they do give up a lot of sacks they will turn the ball over. So I think if we can pressure them and slow down the run game, I think we'll be in good shape. Uh, Simon talked about it. They do have a dangerous returner, so we got to be ready for that. Um, so, and they have forced the fourth. The one thing we'll have to watch out for on our side is they have forced the fourth most fumbles. So like wide receivers like Romeo Dobbs, who's, you know, he's fumbled a couple times, stuff like that. We just need to make sure they're ready to hold on to the ball in that weather. So. I will say in the two games that, Justin Jefferson's played at Lambeau. He has 29 and 58 yards receiving. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. All right. Hopefully this happens again. And like I said before, their secondary is just trash. So if we can get a nice uh, short passing game going and control the ball, we'll be fine. So I want to throw a little bit of perspective out there because we know that, and Jake's going to talk about it, that the Packers are fighting for a playoff spot. But the Packers are 7 and 18. And the Vikings are 12 and three. The pressure is, in my opinion, is on the Vikings more than it is on the Packers. You know, if you're looking at the Vikings who are trying to hold serve against the 49ers to keep that two seed, and, you know, you're looking at the Cowboys and the 49ers actually starting to push for higher seeds, the Vikings, if they end up, you know, screwing around and losing towards the end of the season, could find themselves dropping as low as the four seed and having to play a road game in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so, you know, the, the Packers, I just want to see them, you know, play, play to have fun. We've, Jake talked about it last week, the Packers having more fun, um, and just playing without feeling like you need to be rigid because, you know, we can't screw up, you know, like just keep doing what you've been doing. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, so Jake hit me with the playoff scenarios. So this is what I read. Don't kill me. This is what I read today. So with a win and a Lions win and a Commanders loss, 
the Lions Packers game will be a win and you're in situation, which Tyler and I will be at. So that's exactly what I'm pulling for. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> With a loss and a Lions win or Commanders win, the Packers will be eliminated, sadly. So we absolutely cannot lose. We have to win. And if we lose, both those teams have to lose. Then with a win and both lost, our playoff odds going 37% to 71%. That is a massive jump. So all I'm going to say is let's just go win this damn game. This is the time. I'm getting real 2010 vibes. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to say it, but I'm getting real 2010 vibes. We played a, a Giants team the second last week of the season. We played another division opponent, except it was the Bears back then in an ugly game. I think the Packers and Lions game has the potential to be ugly. Um, so I'm just going to say, let's win. Let's just earn it. A couple other right. uh, things I want to highlight there real quick, too. Is that okay? Yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting to see because I wanted to ask you guys a question. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, do you want to see, and it comes down to week 18, right? Do you want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs or do you want the commanders in the playoffs? Well, you'd want to see the commanders, right? Yeah. So what I'm hoping for is that the Browns can help us out this week and they just get it done. Cause it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what, um, the Cowboys do now, if the Saints can pull off an upset against the backup of the Eagles, the Cowboys have to play their starters next year. Right. Are we so one of the games we really need to be watching and pulling for is the Saints to pull off an upset of the Eagles because that means both those teams are playing next week for something. Right. And that no way that at that point the Cowboys rest their starters against the commanders. Because I don't I mean we've been what the Cowboys boogie man in the playoffs how many years in a row? I can True. guarantee no offense to the commanders fans, my cousin's a commander fan. The Bears are the Cowboys aren't scared of a team that can't even figure out who the quarterback is with two weeks to go in the season. They're not I mean, scared of think, them. The the Cowboys are still playing for seeding though too, so they can move right. all the way up from two but to if, four. So I mean, if, if they the gotta, Eagles win, it's game. It's, it's not. Yeah, they're it doesn't stuck matter. At the seed. Yeah, but they can still get the two seed. They can still have home home no, field can't. advantage. No, you can't. Them. You don't get the division winner. Four, I think. Yeah, yeah they they, they have, automatically have the fifth seed. Yeah. So if so if the Eagles win this week. Um, and the Washington win this week. The only reason we would have hope for um, Cowboys playing really is for one to get the they haven't been playing well, so maybe they want to start to play their starters. Two, they're like, no, screw the fact that the Packers might make the playoffs. We don't want to let a division rival in. Our three, Ben DiNucci, um plays well. That's who the backup is, right? Danucci. He had Cooper Rush, or is he oh, Cooper, oh, Cooper Rush, Cooper my Rush. So, um, yeah, um, so hopefully he plays well. So, yeah, Robert um, Wentz is starting. So, I mean, just yeah. cheer for the Browns this week. I mean, yeah, so, and, and the Browns, that could be a type of game that ends like 13 to 10, um, yeah. because of the defenses. And Carson Wentz throws a costly interception to end the game, and the Browns win, yeah. and we control his, our own destiny. His fourth interception of the game, the Packers could control their own destiny by the time the Minnesota game kicks off. Yeah, and I would like to see the Lions lose, to be honest, because I'd rather than have nothing to play for. The next week, but I yeah. think it was. I don't know. I'm going. It's I gonna think be my step on his first it. game. It's gonna be Either my way, first playing. game. I want him to feel that atmosphere. I don't Either know. way, they're playing. They're gonna play their as hard yeah. as they can because the Lions would want to spoil it for us because they're yeah. in the division. But sure. yeah, so a sneaky big game for us is the Saints and Eagles game. Unfortunately, it's in Philly. So. All right, Jake. What's the weather gonna be like? 
All right. So actually a very, very nice day. I'll say this. Um, so start of the game, 34 degrees. Uh, winds west at eight miles per hour. The start of the second half, uh, it's 30 degrees. The real feel will be 25. Uh, winds are going to be west-southwest at seven miles per hour. So very mild. Uh, no excuses. Uh, let's go win a football game. I just wanted to cool off a tiny bit so we get turtle turtleneck Rodgers. I don't know if he'll be turtleneck. He'll probably still be turtleneck. It's going to be cold. It'll be cold in the second half. It's going to be dark. Right, once yeah. the sun goes down, yeah. Bring back hoodie yeah. James Jones. Romeo Dobbs come out in a hoodie. <laughs> balls the fuck out. All right, Brian. How many Simon says do you have this week? Just two. You made me. You limited me. Good. You made me. Like you're following instructions. Dude, just get fired. Fuck it. Yeah. Simon's been fired 86 times already. <laughs> I mean, I'll just make them up off the top of my head. I bet you could. Maybe someday when, we, when we're when we all doing this for a living, you can have your own segment. <laughs> this is just Bryant makes 37 bold predictions today. <laughs> Simon says no to 36 of them. <laughs> okay, so my first one is that Kingsley Ingambari gets a strip sack fumble that we oh, actually recover. Yeah. I'm for it. I'm in. Okay. All right. You want me to go? I was gonna have Brian just do both right away. Oh, okay. So So my second one, my second one is AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones each go for eighty plus all-purpose yards and a touchdown. I think we win if that happens. I'll say that. Yeah, I think we win if that happens too. Um, that kind of ties into mine. I'm in. Fuck it. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. We've seen some pretty, pretty prolific rushing attacks from Green Bay. I think I think 80 all-purpose is totally within yeah. reason. I think Chris said he's not down for the strip sack. Well, <laughs> wait, Chris Barstead? Yes. Yes. I hope he has four strip sacks. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the yardage ties into mine. I said for mine that the Packers have 400 total yards of offense. I mean, uh, Minnesota Vikings have allowed it in six of their last seven games. Yeah, I'm in. Bastard. All right, I got two. So it's funny that you said he, you hope he has four strip sacks. The Packers sack Cousins four times. E- yes, I think that's. Can possible. I be honest about this? Yes, I don't think that happens. Even though I do think the Packers will get a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, he's really a guy that doesn't take a lot of sacks. He, yeah. I could see him throwing the ball away <laughs> a shit ton, next. but I don't think the Packers are just going to have like a big sack. He's taking 45 sacks on the year, though. So I mean, average year. Mad, one thing I give Kirk Cousins credit for is he gets rid of the ball. Like, yeah. So, does Watson get his redemption? And by that, does he catch a long bomb touchdown? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you missed it. Brian said Kirk Cousins has 45 sacks on the year just as many as Jake. <laughs> you fucker. Oh, my God. You fucker. All right. I'm <laughs> focused over here. Taking you you take movie. advantage of a man while he's down. Oh, man. <laughs> I expect I'm gonna go off of what you just said there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you have anything you want to throw out there? 
Uh, nah, you guys right. pretty much went around what I was going to go with. All right, give me your score prediction from the head. Uh, okay, I think this will be pretty high scoring. I got Packers 31, Vikings 27. Ooh, that's close Ooh. to mine. Brian, what about you from the head? You, you guys are going to hate me for this one. And um, it was because it, I reserve the right to change it if Watson is a go. But we've had our years where we just find a way to win these one-score games, and that's just been the Vikings this year. So I had my head from the prediction, Vikings 28, Packers 27. Chris said 28-24, Minnesota. Jake, what's your score prediction from the head? I have the Green Bay Packers winning 28-23. We're all pretty close. I have 30-24. to Mm. All right, Simon, give me your score prediction from the heart. Uh, yeah, mine's not that much different. I think I got 30-24. Oh, so I have some man. Bryant, go ahead. Uh, Packers 28, Vikings 20. All right, Jake? So uh, a little quick stat for you. The Vikings have given up 34 times, and I'm banking on this being the fifth time. I have 30 to 24, and I'm not even shitting you. Let's go. <laughs> Chris said all one score. Huh? I love Minnesota football. That shit. I'm that about to be me out watching that many one score games. Like Ugh. Bill said 34 28 from the head and 35 31 from the heart. For me, you you guys are all like, oh, it's all gonna be one score, one score. And I think everybody thinks it's gonna be one score. If I'm thinking from the heart and seeing how many points the Vikings have given up to shitty teams like the Colts in one half. And how many yards they've given up recently? I said 35-21 Packers. There's a situation, I believe there's a scenario where we talked about the Packers having their offensive line healthy and potentially all of their weapons healthy and having broken out. Like, we're looking at potentially the best team that the Packers have put together on the field all together at one time this entire season. In a minute since we put up 30, so I'm all for that. With the offensive line, the wide receivers, like the running backs, the return game, the defense, like outside of Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes, who are out for the season, obviously, like we're looking at potentially the the healthiest team the Packers have put on the field the entire season. Jeff said 35-31. (laughs) My name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. (laughs) All right. You guys have anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, no. Uh, go Browns. Go Saints. For sure. All right. Go Browns. Well, I will see you guys on Sunday then. I'm sure we'll be talking during the game. So I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody, for watching, including the rival fans. I know it's not always fun to watch Packers show and get the Packers point of view, but I do appreciate when people from other fan bases watch because um, I sure. do appreciate that. Um that like being able to respect each other's fan bases, I do think is um, important to like, not to sound like mushy, but like, it's important to camaraderie because at the end of the day, we're all watching the NFL. So we have that in common. So mm-hmm. um, hope it's a good game. Obviously not cheering for injuries. Like I've seen people do, but all righty. Um, Robert said, go pack go from down West. And Justin said, happy new year's. So, Happy New Year's to you guys as well. I hope the Packers kick off 2023 with a win. Yep. All righty. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Yes, sir.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.